Meet Parker Bennett, real estate agent. Parker loves cabinets. Parker has a background in building inspections, so he knows houses. This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. Welcome everybody to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. I'm the host, Parker Bennett, and I'm here at Royal LePage Westman Realty at 800 Seymour Street. And this is going to be a really cool podcast for me because we get to talk about some outdoor stuff, which is not always the situation here when we're talking about real estate and real estate data, but I think this has a lot of pertinent information about homeownership and uh, our residences in general living in Kamloops. So welcome, Tara Geiger, to the Kamloops Insider Podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. And uh, first podcast? Yes. Do you listen to podcasts? I do. <laughs> Who do you listen to? <laughs> I can't even say the names. I don't even know. Okay. Well, you should listen. To Random them. ones. I should listen to Parker Bennett. Kamloops Real Estate Kamloops Insider. Kamloops Real Estate. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. And our viewership is picking up. I can literally tell that it's not just my mom now listening to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, Tara is here from Thompson Rivers University, and you are a veterinarian technician. Uh, Yes, registered veterinary technologist. What is that? What does that mean? So it's a... My actual title that I graduated with was animal health technician. Okay. Um, We are basically animal nurses, so nurses to uh, veterinarians. We do a lot of the diagnostics for the animals and um, provide all the data and things like that for the veterinarians, assist the veterinarians in surgery and anesthesia and all sorts of things. And now Thompson Rivers University has that program. Is that a recent program? Is that a new program? Oh, no. No, it's been around. um, I'm not sure I should say, but I graduated from the program uh, many, many moons ago. Um, It's been around for, I think, 30 years now. Oh, okay. Yeah, 30 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. And is is Kamloops like, is that the place to go to or is, is there a lot of places that you can get this? It used to be the only place. Yeah. Uh, now there is two places in BC. Uh, there's one down in the lower mainland at Douglas College. Um, our programs are quite different in just different aspects that we have um, for the students. We have animals on site uh, through um, rescues, through um uh, surrenders, things like that, right. that animals come to our program and then our students um, get to help with all the things they might need, spays, neuters, all that kind of stuff. And, and they get to hang out like at all hours at night watching and babysitting animals that are sick? <laughs> well, maybe not all hours of the night, but they, uh, they do get to hang out with them while their final exams are happening, which are right now. So it's oh, kind cool. of a, a, a definite perk to the program. Interesting. <laughs> so... And you used to work at the at the wildlife park? Yes. Okay. So is there any integration between the wildlife park and TRU? Like, is there any connection there? Or is that yes. just a fluke that, that that's here? Uh, no, not really. Um, so I was also a registered veterinary technician um, at the wildlife park. So using a lot of my skills from the program. Right. Um, the students actually, for as long as I can remember, have been coming out to the wildlife park to learn about wildlife and help with different aspects of the medical care and learn how to treat uh, birds and different species of wildlife in their care as that could be a direction that they would go in after graduation. Um, It's an option. So we try to give them as much experience as possible as well as the help is very much needed. (laughs) So uh, yeah, twice a year they come out and we do a lot of... um, 
in our parasitology lab, which is looking at all the the bugs you find in poo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Hold we, on, what is that again? Paras- <laughs> parasites. Parasitology. So, parasitology. Parasitology. So say that a few times. <laughs> um, that's one of the courses I taught this year, and for years they've been helping support and have a, sort of a memorandum of understanding, sort of with the wildlife park as well, that they. We scratch their back, they scratch ours, so right. they get all their fecals tested for all their animals there, and the students get to learn about all the different bugs that may possibly be in fecals, and they get their exams for free, and this our students cool. get they, fecals to do. And they get the experience, yeah. And they get the experience, yeah. Right. So does the program cover all animals, or is it like mostly birds, or is it like like native wildlife that you typically are... Uh, generally, it's domestic species, okay. so dogs, cats, uh, farm animals, large animals. Right. Uh, they do have sections that kind of come off with exotics and birds and uh, lab animals, as well as uh, wildlife, um, reptiles, things like so you that. Don't have any, you don't have any grizzly bears at TRU? No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> nope. Liabilities might be a little bit of an and, issue. And there's, just, there's no, like, wild deer there, like, or... No, no. Problems with that for sure. Actually, there is wild deer on campus though. Yeah, no, I see them all the time on the way to work. They're not too scared of anybody either. Yeah, they're pretty tame. Yeah. They do the trail, right? Down from the river. They come up that. Yeah, McGill and Garen Creek. They're running out of land. Yeah, yeah. It's expanding. TRU's expanding too. So it's, yeah. I've seen them in the cemetery too. Yeah. On Notre Dame. It's kind of known as the deer highway. Yeah. They need to just come right through my place. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit further away, though. (laughs) We got our own deer that hang out in our place. Okay, so kind of what I wanted to have you on on here, and I'm going to break this kind of story down a little bit, but I'll give you the inspiring reason why I wanted to chat with you. Um, In the winter of 2018, I bumped into a fairly large black bear in its den behind my house. And I thought I would check on it this year, which if you follow my Instagram, you'll see the video. (laughs) Um, He definitely came back to that den site this year. And as soon as the sun started to get a little warmer and he popped out of the den, he was pretty much in our subdivision, which is up on Barnhartville there. And he was there for at least a week fairly easily to find, either in my neighbor's yard or occasionally walking down the road looking for stuff to eat and that kind of stuff. And like April 1st, is when the city of Kamloops puts their garbage, their bear-aware garbage plan together, which basically means don't put your garbage out before 4 a.m. on collection day. And on the, last week, <laughs> a week a week ago or so, um, I wake up in the morning and it's about 6.30 and I look out the window and sure enough, Charlie's his name. We've nicknamed him, <laughs> Charlie. Charlie's out there munching on the neighbor's grass and I noticed that the entire subdivision has their garbage cans out. And it's like, garbage day's tomorrow, right? <laughs> so I'm thinking, we got to get through today and tomorrow morning without a garbage infraction, or otherwise there's going to be garbage all over our subdivision. And so I, I very carefully and very quietly and nicely um, let my neighbors know that, you know, there is a bear kind of hanging out in the hood and you might not want to leave your garbage out. And everyone had a really good reason why they needed to get it out. <laughs> So I thought I would like stress the idea that like if we want to keep bears from having problem bears and you know bears that need to be put down and relocated and all those things that we don't really want 
um, please, please, please don't put your garbage out before 4 a.m. on collection day. And typically it's, I think it's between 4 and 7, right? 7 is kind of the latest that they expect you to put your garbage out. But I think so, yeah. If you have a stay-at-home mom, maybe just keep it in until, yeah. because you kind of know when the garbage man is coming. <laughs> yes, and most people can get it out before they go to work. They yeah. can make arrangements of some sort to get it out. I think, and whatever the reason is, there's a lot of people that don't. Yeah, I think it's like, I, I know my neighbors' careers and some of their jobs, and I know that, that there's no, there's nothing there debilitating them from just <laughs> maybe getting up before ten, <laughs> and getting their garbage out on garbage day. Rolls by our house from time. So, I mean, when you worked at the wildlife park, you probably heard more about this because. You guys did take rescues in from animal incidences and other factors like that. We did. It wasn't sort of a regular, um, I don't want to say, like, I don't know how to say it, but it wasn't a regular drop-off spot for yeah. rescues of bears in the community. There was so many bears that had um, conflicts with humans. Unfortunately, the statistics are quite high of um, euthanasias of bears due to the conflict. But um, we had many, many calls all the time, and some going as far as asking us to just to come up and pick it up, pick up the bear because he tossed over their garbage can full of garbage. Yeah. And they don't want, and they have kids, so they don't want, you know, they're worried about their kids, which, you know, obviously that's fair. Um, But when looking into it and asking a few more questions here and there, the excuses became, you know, okay, well, where do you put your garbage? When do you put it out? And it became more and more relevant that they just aren't taking responsibility for why that's happening. Um, So, you know, a lot of them have garages or have ways of keeping that garbage out of, yeah, tucked away and out of sight for, or out of contact, I guess, for um, until garbage day and, and, or the amount of time. Um, but sometimes excuses are, well, it makes my garage too stinky. Um, it's Or if they don't have a garage because it's loaded full of other stuff and there's no room in it, um, you know, the easy thing to do would just be there's a lot of bear-resistant um, container testing that's going on that you can actually buy bars that go across your garbage cans that are supposedly bear-resistant. Right. Um, on WildSafe BC. Uh, website, they actually have, um, you know, a list of different resistant containers that have passed the testings. So there's really no reason why you can't keep that tucked away. Yeah, that tucked away or at least safe and and away from because really when it boils down to it, you are putting your neighbors, your kids, your animals, um, everyone at risk, as well as that bear. Because everyone, you know, cries out when Unfortunately, they do have to be euthanized because now they've been habituated to people's food. It's easy pickings as well as people. So now they become dangerous. And sometimes they, you know, if you're not going to give them their food that day, Mm -hmm. they might become aggressive to look a little harder. They might come maybe pets, maybe. Yeah. yeah, Maybe animals. I mean, we've seen on YouTube, you've seen on TV, even the news that we're Bears have gotten themselves into people's houses up north. They've um, campers, trucks, anywhere that there might be food. They have the way of getting in. So they're pretty crafty. They are very crafty, yeah. very smart. So it's um, it's up to us to kind of keep that responsibility. And you know, if you don't like the idea that you're responsible of saving those bears, then at least 
you know, have that responsibility of having a safety, Device. safe ni- uh, neighborhood for your yeah. kids, for your animals, for your neighbors, you know, all the rest of it too. Yeah, for sure. When, when you worked at the wildlife park, and I remember, I think you guys transitioned out of this, but correct me if I'm wrong, but did you guys not pick up a lot of deer <laughs> that were picked up and you guys had like your own little wildlife deer sanctuary there that you... Like you raise deer and then release them back out in the wild. Yes, yeah. So um, part of the wildlife park, so it's two separate entities, but one was the um, BC Wild Wildlife Rehab. So right. they would bring in wildlife that needs to be rehabilitated and then hopefully released um, as long as they're recovered. Uh, deer was part of the species that we did take. And what, most... What other animals were there? Oh, we had, um, what Bird, did we have? We had lots prey. of birds, lots yeah. of birds of prey, owls, eagles, um, badgers. hawks, badgers. <laughs> we had, um, gosh, there. yeah, there's a few little stories <laughs> with badgers. Uh, lots, weasels, um, you name it. We've, we've, we've had a lot of them. Right. Um, but unfortunately, we did have bears at one point too. Um, way before, actually, when I was a student, they, had, uh, they were rehabbing bears and when I was a student at TRU in the same program that I'm teaching in, um, we were involved with helping track some rehabbed bears that were collared and they were sort of seeing, the ministry environment was sort of seeing where they were and if they were getting themselves into trouble again because they were conflict, conflict bears. Yeah. Um, turned out that I think it was two out of the three that they, the third one, I don't think that they actually... Got the, I think the collar came off, mm. but um, two out of the three that they did follow ended up getting back um, yeah, back into that same. They, once they get it habituated, why not? You've yeah. got you know, your McDonald's right there. Why would you go and... Well, I don't think they really... They're not like... They don't know they're doing anything wrong. No, no. Right? No, it's not their it's fault at food. all. Like they're wildlife that are adapting to what is easy because yeah. they don't have to expend that extra energy. They're starving usually by the time they are coming out looking for food in the spring. And that's sort of the time where people forget that, oh yeah, it's bear time and they've got their taste of good human food. And now they want that all the time. And it's high calorie. High calorie. Yeah. Yeah. And they want that, you know, and the stinkiness of it, the fish, fish and all that stuff that sometimes people put in their compost, um, different things or not washing their their garbage containers, which is kind of a big thing too. It tends to be, that. yeah, I think it's everybody probably is. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody is for sure, but that's definitely a draw. Barbecues, yeah. they're, uh, the grills on the barbecue, you know, Stinky. a lot of us tend to grill and, and then turn it off and go and eat your dinner and forget yeah. about the remnants that are on the grill and that yeah. brings them in too. Mm. Um, but there's lots of responsibilities. One of the bigger things too in the fall when they're starting to beef up and wanting all that extra calories, extra sugar to put on all that weight before they go and den up is the fruit trees. Fruit trees. And a lot of people forget that that's their responsibility to clean up. Don't just let it fall to the ground and let it just absorb into the ground because that is attracting the bears. For sure. A lot of bears become drunk on it and it might be amusing yeah, for people. Yeah. But it's, um, it's, it's just not a good way to because then they know they you know they mark your house okay yep. that's the spot x marks the spot i'll come back here Three next apple year <laughs> trees that are like you know no one's picking up the mess no right one's picking the apples yeah, yeah and they tell other friends and they're like hey this yeah. is the spot we this can get filled spot. up and ready to den up and we'll be good man when you 
When you eat a, a bear that has been eating fruit trees, it's so good. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I can't hunter, say. It's the hunter coming out of me. <laughs> I can't say. There is a saying in the bear hunting world that a, a berry bear or a fruit bear is like the best bear to get. Oh yeah? yeah. A little sweet. Their, their meat's just better. Shit, yeah. Yeah. They're not just like totally like, they don't have salmon usually in them if they're fruit bear, like, cause that's a fall thing. Yeah. So you're either a fish bear or you're not. Yeah. So you're either late season berries and and residential fruit trees. Well, I guess it's about that time when they're hunting them too, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things for sure. So let's go back to the deer, deer thing because that yeah. is also something that kind of bothers me. the The idea I'll set up a fake scenario, okay? You're you're with your kids and you're walking through the forest, maybe at a park, and you wander off a little bit and off the trail into like a high grass area, and you see a four pound baby mule deer laying there with its eyes open shaking and it's not moving okay and your first instinct is it's abandoned you must rescue the <laughs> is deer. this my instinct or is it <laughs> i think not yours yeah the average person i think that there yeah. is a misconception about your what your instinct should be right? absolutely and so you one what happens when when the person picks up the deer and trucks it home is, is that going to be a long-term problem for that deer? It definitely can be. It's um, Studies have shown it's not as detrimental now for touch. Like yeah. it used to be a lot of sense of smell. Um, mammals tend to use their nose a lot for, um, you know, identifying whether it's theirs or not. So yeah. if it's touched and um, and then put back, for instance, there used to be thought that the mom would actually abandon it, which it is true that could happen. Because she thinks it's someone else's deer. Yeah, or just risk of you know it's risky. It's it's yeah. a problem. Yeah. So um, humans are stinky. Yeah. <laughs> they they don't like our smell. So they they smell fear. They smell um, you know problems with interactions with that deer, and right. they may abandon it and leave it. And um, deer are very much like like ourselves. They need to nurse. Um, many times a day, five, six, eight times a day. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get to do that, they'll starve to death. So it's not easy to um, raise a deer. It's, right. it's very tough. And they generally, if we're going back to sort of the reason why that deer might have been down and looking like it's um, problematic, sick, Terrified. Terrified. Yeah. It is terrified. It's absolutely terrified. <laughs> but, um, you know, they have this natural instinct to uh, play dead, so to speak, when somebody comes in to and, and make it look like it's dead yeah. so that they won't cart it off. It's their only, it's their only defense. Only defense. Right. Yeah. And so many people think, oh my goodness, it's, it's on, it's almost dead. I had to save it. Yeah. When realistically you're, it's better off just to leave it alone regardless of what's going on and let mom deal with it. Yeah, so let, let's set let's set the record straight. Typically the female, the mother yeah. here will hide her fawns somewhere in long grass or in a hidden kind of perspective. Yeah. And that fawn will not move until it's time to nurse again. Usually. And she will leave the area in defense of the fawn to feed. Yeah. So like if she was Nursing, right? If she was feeding right there, she would could potentially attract a predator that would maybe later find the fawn. So best to just vacate the premises completely, and then that way, if I get into trouble, I can just run away and I come back to this other location where my fawn's hanging out, and it'll be safe. Right. In in a lot of cases, right? Right. And, and fawns don't even have that much scent, right? 
No, not much at all. Like they, they're born with, um, you know, basically they're just normal, normal, normal flora. Right. Um, and only recognition of like their mom and, right. and them. Um, not a lot of different scents or anything like that. Um, they tend to, some people end up collecting fawns from uh, maybe a hit by car. Right. Sometimes they're following mom across the road and, and mom gets hit they survive and generally speaking sometimes moms um you know dear fawn or dear moms the does aren't very smart when they have their first babies sometimes they'll drop them right in the middle of the road they'll have their they'll give birth right in the middle of the road and they don't really have that sense yet of that motherhood and try to get it off the road so the fawns tend to not know what's going on and just be lying in the middle of the road okay i'll stay here right so uh, people will come across them, and it's obviously dangerous. Yeah. Best just to move them to the side of the road, continue going, don't, don't, don't pick it, it up, don't take it home. Worst case scenario. Um, and some people will often think that once the mom is dead, because sometimes that does happen as well, either predators or hit by cars or whatever, um, that the fawn is destitute and there's no... You know, you know, they had to rescue it, right. but that's actually not true. They've done a lot of studies on um, other moms adopting oh, wow. babies, which they didn't think could happen, um, but they have had that happen. Uh, a lot of rehab facilities will actually go out and um, draw moms into a deer fawn right. through calls, yeah. and a lot of the times they will. There's a high percentage that they will adopt them back. Interesting. So it's. It's a good thing for them. So ultimately over the years of working at the wildlife park where they used to bring them in all the time, the um, habituation, the, they recognize you, they, there's a situation called uh, imprinting from babies when after a few days are uh, coming, they open their eyes and they see you and they look at you as mom. (laughs) <laughs> so they imprint on you and it tends to be, they're not scared of anything. Some people will pick up deer fawns and they'll have them snuggling with their dog right. and think it's really cute, but it's well, actually that is kind of adorable. Yeah, it is pretty <laughs> yeah. cute, but, but a dog is a dog is right. a dog and out in, you know, the wild when they hopefully get released, yeah. um, there's lots of wild dogs like coyotes and wolves that are out there that may look like, um, the cute, dog the cute pet dog that was so nice to them, yeah. and uh, they just walk right up to their predators. <laughs> so, does this does the wildlife park still do the deer thing? They do not. No, they, they came. Yeah, they worked with the ministry, the um, ministry of environment, and the COs, and uh, came to consensus that realistically, the we had so many problem deer that yeah. we were tagging that were. Is, is whatever we tried to do. We dressed in costumes. We tried all sorts of things to try and make it so that um, we were very separated from the whole scenario. But um, it just became quite an issue. It was hard to get past the imprinting. Uh, also you, got you issues. Any, do you have any pictures of what you dressed up as? I don't particularly, but I'm sure there are some with what the wildlife park. <laughs> Not like bigger deer. Well, tried to make costumes <laughs> that looked similar to deer, which was quite, quite humorous, actually. Right. <laughs> yeah. So trying to get, you know, distort the face. Right. Uh, if you look at any rehab centers, they tend to do that where masks are 
hats and um, sort of things that just basically take, yeah, yeah, just to take away that the features of humans. Right. Yeah. So they decided, uh, the wildlife parks decided that they wouldn't, um, well, it's not doing them any favors. Where it's, do the deer go now? Like, let's say you, you're driving along the highway and you look at the car in front of you, smokes a doe. Yeah. And the guy kind of limps his car around and carries on. And you're, you drive up to the deer to have a peek, and you, you see two fawns sitting there. Yeah. The deer's clearly dead. Yes. No one's touching those fawns now? No. Nope. Coyote bait. Yeah. There's some parts of BC that are still, uh, depending on the regulations, yeah. um, it's just our region here is very clear that they don't do it. Right. Um, there's still some regions in BC that still rehab deer, but uh, it also falls into the whole track of... Um, Percentage-wise, the more deer that we're putting out there, the higher the population, which isn't counterbalancing the natural um, position where it takes care of the population. Right. So there's way more deer than there are uh, predators that are out there. Right. And as much as a lot of people like the cuddly deer and don't like to think about the fact that there's predators, but there is a food chain mm -hmm. that once that's unbalanced then we're not doing the rest of the species any favors either by overpopulating the deer. And indirectly, that population, they won't have enough food, they won't have enough um, space, the resources, anything, and they're going to start, like we're seeing everywhere, um, populating very populated areas. Right. Penticton's one of the places that um, are very, very populated. There's deer running down the middle of the main street. Yeah. Um, and conflicts with people as much as deer are majestic and cute and, you know, so pretty, they're very dangerous. They can be very, very dangerous, especially the bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, they have to, when they're not scared of people and they've got does with, or uh, fawns with them, they get very, very aggressive and you can have lots of problems there. So there's a lot of problems that develop from a higher population that now you've got deer fawns that walk right up to kids and people and, and it's just not a good situation. Right. So, like, the way I see it is the food chain is the natural balance, except us. Right. We kind of mess it all up. Yeah. Because we don't really participate in the food chain the way we're supposed to, because we don't really let ourselves die. Right? Like we right. Don't, we don't let people prey on us. Right. We take care of the problem. And so when, when, when we're not participating in a fair way, in the chain of predation and prey, then we sort of disturb the balance. Right. And that's, I think that's why the Ministry of Environment has their, um, they do their counts every year and they try to, as best they can, um, keep that, things in check. Yeah, keep things in check and be able to give out certain uh, licenses for certain um, species of deer. Right for that reason because mm -hmm. they know that okay well there's less of this population so we won't give as many license or um tags out yeah. so i think what they do they work really closely with the hunters like yourself and um sometimes with your tag they may have information attached to that that they are wanting say the reproductive tract of a female doe if that's what you got yeah. and then they use that for testing through for the next year to see how many fawns that they may have had and right. maybe what's out there in the future. Yeah. So Kamloops is growing. Yes. And we're kind of like our subdivisions just keep creeping up into farmland and rangeland where 
bears and deer and moose and all kinds of critters. Yeah. Uh, and maybe critters that we don't necessarily think of as, as being us being destructive to them, like birds of prey and that, you know, rely on grasslands and subdivisions don't really do them any favors as far as like bringing in food source. Right. And we just continually keep growing. And I think about like juniper, I think about, you know, areas of Barnhartville, maybe not so much Barnhartville, it's still pretty rural, but mm-hmm. uh, Aberdeen for sh- for certain. Yeah. Uh, Bachelor Heights, we're moving up there. Even in areas in the west side, we're starting to creep up the mountains. We're like really moving in a rapid rate into the environment where deer and bear and birds prey and all kinds of critters are habituated. Yeah. And we, you know, we had the rattlesnake podcast here <laughs> a couple, three, four months ago where we talked about how destructive our growth is on the landscape to uh, reproduction for rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're really not doing anybody any favors. Not what, at all. What should we do? Uh, there's lots of things to do. We talked about some of the conflicts with food sources. So yeah. obviously being that close and, and impeding onto their space, the easy pickings is right in our backyard. So some of the things that you don't really think about, feeding your pets outside, um, maybe don't do that. Or at least one. monitoring the the dishes and taking them in. Don't leave the food outside. The fruit trees, like we talked about, uh, garbage. Um, just, so, just for the record, I have lots of fruit trees. <laughs> and as you probably know, I don't grow a lot of fruit. <laughs> well, they have to actually be uh, productive, I guess. <laughs> yeah, productive fruit trees. You yep. can have a productive fruit tree. If I buy that house, it'll be an unproductive fruit tree. <laughs> Guaranteed. I did, I did get one or two apples off my... Six fruit trees that I got. So, <laughs> well, you're doing something right then. I know. I'm just too stubborn to call an arborist to figure us out. But I might have a name for you for that. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> so some of the other things that people don't think about too is allowing the bears, um, moose, deer keep going through the properties. So if they're going to move through your properties, if you're in a rural area or impeding onto rural area, then keeping bushes kind of trimmed in and down so that they're not hiding in the bushes, um, they're not grazing in the bushes. Uh, outside gardens, a lot of us like to have our vegetable gardens, um, trying to keep those um, fenced off. Fenced off, yeah. um, and, and, and it's really hard, I know, for deer sometimes to keep those uh, lettuce and everything else, yeah. <laughs> them away from some of the trees. Um, but trying to keep those... Uh, not accessible for them to have free feeding so that they keep going to where they're supposed to go. Right. A lot of the bears, for instance, are going to be going and using your properties to walk through from higher up in Denning mm-hmm. to go down to the rivers and the, um, you know, the creeks and things like that for, to, to feed on fish. Um, if they're stopped halfway in between as an easier run to eat everything else in your yeah, yard, exactly. then they're not going to get there. Right. And then again, interrupts the food chain. So um, definitely we can do our part by allowing them to keep moving through our property and not being, and taking responsibility for our own properties and allow them to, to keep on going. So it's nice that we have the ability in Kamloops to have wildlife in our backyard and to visually see them, but it's also nice to be a part of keeping them healthy and keeping them going and minimize human conflict. Absolutely. So, yeah, couldn't I think. have said it any better. <laughs> it would have been interesting when you guys were dressing up at the wildlife park, though, if you would have dressed up like <laughs> Elmer Fudd 
And then they would, those deer would get really like comfortable with hunters. <laughs> well, we did have a few um, sort of feedback from people that the ministry was telling us because we'd be really tight with them finding out each year how things are going. Yep. And we started to tag our deer and we had a couple that had um, our tags on them that actually walked right up to a hunter. Okay. It, it did kind of do the opposite because the hunter was confused. <laughs> so they didn't actually, um, you know, take their shot. Didn't shoot the animal? No, because yeah. they were confused why there was a deer right at the end of their that barrel. Be a really intelligent deer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to play this just right. Or not so. I'm not yeah. sure. It's a double negative, I guess. But um, but yeah, it's it's definitely not a good thing to have them alter their character and be somebody they're not supposed to be. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's certainly an issue for sure. But yes, the, Elmer Fudd. <laughs> the, the mule deer population in Kamloops is actually on a really, uh, it's, it's on a low right now. And those numbers have come down since 2002. I don't know if that was the peak, but some, don't quote me on that, but somewhere around those, that era. Okay. The mule deer population was at a really high, kind of swollen number. Yeah. And it's kind of alarming because they are more vulnerable than a lot of other species that are considered to be local, like white-tailed deer and, and you know, bears and stuff. Yeah. Um, that their numbers are drastically lower, and they're actually changing a lot of the hunting regulations to Reflect try and that. catch up with that. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, alarming, and, and all of the above. Because Kamloops is just the heart of, of mule deer there's a very large or there used to be a very large population of meal deer for sure do you think people that have like domestic chickens do you think that affects wildlife in a negative way absolutely um that's another thing that uh certainly people can take responsibility for as well is having them maybe tucked into their coops at night and having them protected um they definitely uh they bring in wildlife, they, you know, whether it's cougars, whether it's um, bears, you know, they're, they're kind of easy pickings as well. Yep. So if they're free ranging out there at night, they're not safe. And they're also uh, taunting them, so to speak. Taunting yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. Exactly. So taking responsibility of that, their feed as well. A lot of people feed chickens on the ground right. um, because that's how they eat. But just taking that responsibility and um, maybe keeping their feed in a more enclosed area versus sure. right out in the yeah. range. Yeah. I lost a chicken. Oh, yeah. Just the, one? The one, yeah. Well, at mine, there's a coop and it's, yes. it's got a bird fence on it. So they're completely enclosed. They yeah. Can't get out. But I occasionally let them out to run the property. Yeah. And, and usually at night, they just find their way back in the coop and I just lock close them the up. door. Right. Yeah. Uh, this one night I went out for dinner around dark. The wind blew the gate closed. So I couldn't get back to the coop. So when I got home, only a couple hours had they been out kind of in that dusky part of the night. And I came home and and was like, oh, you know, I got to go check on my flock, right? (laughs) And yeah, definitely a bird of prey had taken one down and well, and it very, uh, we had one scenario again through the wildlife park that uh, we were alerted by uh, actually one of our, our, my coworkers. Um, there was a great horn owl that they had no idea what was taking their chickens out, but they were covered over the top. They were covered around. They couldn't figure out how this was happening. Okay. And they, the great horn owl was actually watching from afar. And every time 
they would get locked up at night about dusk because it's usually prime feeding time. Yeah. Um, he would actually crawl under the fence. No way. Yeah. So he was he was knocking them off That's one crappy. by one. That's so there is definitely ways, and there's also electric fencing that yeah. you can get. Um, it's becoming more and more prominent. And again, I think Wild Wild Safe BC has um, uh, different setups and and sort of directions on how how to purchase and how to how to function. Um, but that's another way that you can keep your coops safe as well as keeping wildlife away. Yeah. It sounds a little bit... It, by deterring them, you're just telling them, go find something else. Absolutely. These aren't the critters that you're going to eat. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and it sounds barbaric, but it's not necessarily... You're doing them a favor oh, by, totally. yeah. by doing that. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the COs play a role in, in a lot of this, and they get a lot of the heat for having to euthanize animals and get told on a regular basis that they're not animal lovers and right. they're, you know. But by unedu uneducated people who don't look at the That don't sense. see the whole picture. Yeah. And um, I feel really bad for them because they're doing the job that they need to do that most people don't want to do. Right. And, um, you know, they unfortunately have to clean up other people's messes. Absolutely. Yeah. So education is a huge thing. So hopefully. Which is why they won't come on the podcast. We don't want to get put on the, <laughs> put on the spot. They have hate mail coming their That's way. That's right. Well, I'll toot for them because they're, they are fantastic. They, yeah. uh, they do a really good job with what they're doing. So. And if you just read, read uh, recently in the newspaper, they were saying that they've just hired a, a large um, new force of conservation officers. Oh wow! In BC, yeah. I did not see that. That's good. Quite they're a few. they're much needed. Yeah. They're really strapped in in this area specifically. I think uh, their region is so large. Yeah. That um, they really don't have a lot of coverage. Not a lot of funding. No. Yeah. No, no, for sure it's the government. <laughs> well, Tara, thank you for coming on and educating us on how we can cohabit. Habitat, cohabilitate, <laughs> co-something. Co co-something, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> with our wildlife in Kamloops to uh, eliminate some bear infractions. And, and don't pick up those baby deer. No, leave them alone. The problem is Instagram. Those, those are like really <laughs> highly liked photos on Instagram. Because they're cute. Yeah. Don't get swayed by the cuteness. Don't get swayed by the cuteness. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, Thanks, thanks for having me. Cheers. Okay. Call Parker Bennett now for your complimentary home evaluation. 416-870-0400.